Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Let's talk about a woman who still has a penis, went through male puberty, And now the transgendered woman who won gold in the 2018 UCI Masters Track Cycling World Championship says she's facing big backlash. Why? Well, because Rachel McKinnon, as you know, uh, blasted out to the world. She was indeed the first transgendered woman to win such an accolade. And it struck an immediate conversation about fairness. Questions on, you know, how is it fair that a person who was born male, matured as a male, is wired as a male, still has testosterone in her system and is much, much more developed than the women she competes against. How is that fair? Because her female competitors do not think so. Feminists around the world are saying, this is not fair. But with transgendered athletes now being allowed to compete and have been since 2003... Competitors don't think it's fair. So what do you do moving forward? Like, how do you deal with this challenge moving forward? Like, whose rights will matter more? Because this is what this is going to come down to. It's going to become an issue of women's rights. Do female athletes have the right to compete on a fair and level playing field? Or do transgendered people have the right to play in whichever field they want? How do you make it fair? I don't think you can. And now we are into this conversation because an athlete has competed, won, but those she's competing against say, mm, I didn't sign up for this. Let's bring in Dr. Peter Nenkeville to the conversation. She's a PhD in international relations, creative director, as well as a known feminist. She joins us uh, really to figure out how this will be solved. She joins us now. Dr. Nankeville, uh, Rachel McKinnon making headlines again. I mean, she was rather proud of her achievements, making sure everyone knew that she was the first transgendered woman to win this uh, big cycling championship. But now she's not liking the reaction to that. Correct. Yes. So she won the UCI World Track Championships. Um, she won gold in that. And um, there's been a lot of blowback from uh, the community. And she's, uh, yeah, she's not liking the blowback. I think she thought she she would receive a lot of positive attention. And uh, as has been predicted, she's been uh, not getting what she thought she would get. Right. I mean, transgendered people have been um, al- allowed to compete in the Olympics since 2003. But it hasn't really um caught on yet and and maybe it's because Rachel McKinnon is the first to kind of make a big splash about it but she has certainly ignited this conversation about fairness in sport and whether she thinks it's fair is not really the issue it is what is fair and I think a lot of people will say even if she has been beaten by women in the past the bottom line is she still has a a, a distinct advantage than her her competing female um, participants Yes, you're 100% correct. 
Um, she still has a distinct advantage. She went through um, male puberty, um, and once you go through male puberty, uh, once you have, uh, once you go through male puberty, and your body goes through the changes that testosterone brings about, including your your muscle changes, your bone structure changes, your um, uh, testosterone changes so many things in your body that can't be reversed by um, suppressing testosterone or by taking estrogen later in your life. So all those changes that happen are permanent changes. Um, so, of course, later in life when you want to compete or you decide that you're a woman, you still have all those physical changes that are biologically, you have the biological advantage, physical advantage of being a man when you're competing. And those don't go away just because you decide that you feel like you're a woman. So where then does the conversation go now? Because um, while Ms. McKinnon may think, you know, she's won this and it's over, I think moving forward, um, you know, where does the conversation go as far as as competing and how we're going to make this work in the long term? That's a really interesting question, and I think it's really relevant right now. The conversation is going to go um, two ways. I think the conversation is going to be very relevant. I think the conversation is going to be a very difficult one. Um, the third place athlete in that competition is asking the UCI to change its rules right now. It's asking the UCI to have a good look at its rules and asking them to make them fairer for women who are competing because at the moment women don't feel like there is a level playing field. Right. Um, and, and and so why then would they not have raised this sooner? Because this was decided in 2003. Why has it taken them this long um, to bring the issue forward? I think a lot of these rules were passed uh, without anybody really knowing or understanding what it really meant. I think most people didn't really know or understand when these laws were changed or when these um, sort of details were ironed out what that really, really meant in terms of, you know, the details and the changes. And when the changes were first made, it was things like, oh, you, um, you know, you have to have, you have to have had sex change surgery before you can, before you can compete. And then somebody would say, oh, well, you know, I haven't had sex change surgery yet because I, I feel like a woman, but I can't afford the surgery. So you can't discriminate against me. And so then they would say, okay, so we'll let you compete. And then so the laws would then sort of start changing and it happened so gradually. So now you don't have to have the sex change. You can compete with, against women if you have a penis. So the laws sort of sort of slowly started eroding and changing bit by bit by bit. So it, it sort of started eroding very, very slowly. And all of a sudden you're, you've got a case like Rachel McKinnon's where she's saying we shouldn't have to take any... Um, testosterone suppressing drugs. We shouldn't have to take estrogen. If I say I'm a woman, I'm a woman, and I should be able to compete as such. Without well, that, well, that would be like me saying, if I if I want to be a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model, I should just be that. I mean, <laughs> the bottom line is it's not the case. It's um, not the case. And it seems like we've now got this real um, kind of face-off between feminists and the transgender community. Is that what this has come to? It's exactly what it's come to. That's exactly where we're at. And it's a real impasse. And is this uh, the worst that you've seen it as? 
This is the worst that I've seen it because what we have is, a, is a, as I've said before, it's a case of competing rights where you have one group that is directly taking um, the rights from another group. And there's no sort of nice way to put it or not nicer way to see it, but the rights are directly conflicting against the rights of another group. And so where do you see this thing going? Because the last time we discussed this particular issue, um, you had, uh, you know, revealed that Canadian universities have now implemented programs into them that make it such that transgendered people, no matter how they identify, now have the right to, to play on any team they want, whether, you know, females or males like it or not. And so it, this culture is now being... Uh, becoming a permanent fixture uh, in our lives. And I'm not even sure we understand or know how it's going to work long term. Yeah, you're right. So I think in the next few years, we're going to be starting to see a lot of legal challenges and a lot of legal cases coming up through the uh, Human Rights Tribunal um, with the university system, with cases like Rachel McKinnon's. And I think we're going to see the law starting to change um, and until we do, until we see that happening, uh, I don't see, I, I think that so much the politics now with gender identity and identity politics in general is just becoming so embedded in, you know, in sort of our psyche. Right. It's just becoming so way. And it's not, it's not, it doesn't really necessarily um, uh, affect men, but it is becoming a fight for women. And so ultimately, there's going to come a decision as to whose rights matter more. Uh, women who have fought long and hard uh, to get the equality or transgender groups. You're 100% correct. Again, Alex, like it seems to be the case, like the argument is whose, whose rights matter more. And you know, according to law, no, no, neither group's rights matter more. You, there is no hierarchy of rights in this situation. So where do you see Both. this going? I mean, it seems like an almost impossible fight that is going to end up in the Supreme Court. Someone is going to challenge this, I suspect, um, you know, in an Olympic Games or, or at some yep. point. It will be, and maybe this is the particular case that will do it, but this is going to be elevated so that the courts have to decide. And I don't know how they'll decide this. That's exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be something that's going to end up in the human, in, well, firstly, in the Human Rights Tribunal. And if it doesn't get decided there, it's going to end up in the Supreme Court until somebody makes a decision. Because somebody's going to have to make a decision on whether, um, you know, trans somebody's going to have to make a decision on trans rights versus women's rights. And, you know, until they do, we're going to keep fighting about whether trans rights really can trump women's rights. Right. And so as far as this particular situation is going to go, um, are the are the standings going to stay or is the uh, is the cycling world actually reviewing this case? So the cycling world at the moment is reviewing uh, this particular case. And at the moment, there is a legal challenge that is beginning to brew. So we are indeed looking at taking this particular, the UCI, taking this to court and challenging it in court as well. So hopefully we will be able to change something there to make it a little fairer um, in terms of whether that's in terms of um, redefining at what point somebody can compete in women's sports. Yeah, it's, I guess, I guess no one ever thought that it would come to this. It just all seems so simple of acceptance, 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 except 
now someone's not going to be accepted. Exactly. Wow. All right. Thank you so much, Doctor. We will have you on again. Thank you so much for having me. That is Dr. Peter Nenkeville joining us tonight. We'll watch and see where that uh, where this goes because it is coming to, there's no question this is coming to a court somewhere in Canada or the United States. But it will end up uh, in someone's hands to decide. It'll be fascinating to see what direction it goes in.